SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, October 13th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you everything you need to make it a profitable day. And we'll try and put the fun and functional sports content as well. And Kev, we had a Monday night football game last night. We thought at one point we were going to have another Monday night football doubleheader, but that is not the case. And we do, in fact, have, I thought it was a good game. The Saints at home, it takes overtime. They were behind early, but then they come on back and get the job done in overtime 30 to 27. And listen, you know, this may be another one, Kev, where I want to start with the team that lost the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert, because again, in Justin Herbert's four starts now, he has looked good against Tom Brady, against Drew Brees, against Patrick Mahomes. He looks like he belongs. The lights weren't too bright for him, making throws, being escapable, four touchdowns for the kid Herbert. But ultimately, the fourth loss for the kid, Herbert. What do you take as the main piece of this one, Kev? Anthony Lynn and his Chargers mm. have now been not just competitive against oh, yeah. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, yeah. and Patrick Mahomes, but they have had double-digit leads on Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes with a roster that is banged up, missing Derwin James for all of those games, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa for some of those games. Bosa is on limited snaps right now also. You could tell. He was on the sideline on key third downs. For close to none of that football game yesterday, right? These are all things that we should be saying, wow, what growth what development. And unfortunately, Anthony Lynn is going to rightfully lose his job this year because it is unacceptable for all three of those games to happen in a four-week window, let alone a full season, and none of them, none of them result in a win. And a stat last night, Shil Kapadia of The Athletic sent out. It was something that if you watched the game, you went, oh, obviously. But when you put it in the context, it is even more sickening. 18 rushes for 20 yards on first downs by the Chargers yesterday. They were conservative the entire time. And I couldn't believe it because... They were just in this spot last week against the Bucs. 17-point yeah. lead on the Bucs, 17-point lead on the Saints, 11-point lead on the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are losses that are really backbreaking. But with a rookie QB, you live with. But not this often. 
the, this team should not be one and four. There's a better argument that this team should be four and one than one and four, and that falls on coaching. Yeah, no, I hear you. Listen, to be quite honest, me seeing the Chargers for the last five games make me almost feel like. Like I made the right call saying that I thought the Chargers were going to be a playoff team this year. You know what I mean? And to your point, this is without, you know, all pros, literally, mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball, right? As we welcome yes. in our radio audience from around the country, big shout out to all of our affiliates, including the Mightier 1090 down there in Southern California, who may have some Chargers fans still remaining, right? But think about it. Literally, Kev, all pros. On defense, yeah. Derwin James, Ingram, Boza clearly compromised. Chris Harris, the free agent signing, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, unavailable yesterday. On the offensive side, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. And this is their rookie quarterback. It makes me feel like, you know, this is a roster. This is a team that is a playoff caliber team. And that Justin Herbert does belong. And that, that rushing stat you mentioned, you know, kind of putting the kid behind the chains, right, in a situation where he will have to make plays on second and third and long. You know, Justin Jackson, 15 carries, 71 yards. A lot of people were on Josh Kelly as the pivot mm. when Austin Eckler went down. But look, Josh, ja- Justin Jackson leads the team in carries. Uh, you mentioned Keenan Allen goes down after a touchdown catch, right? Um, it's a back injury. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But they did get Mike Williams back, big Mike mm. Williams, and five for 109 and two touchdowns. And listen, that's a nice thing to have as a rookie quarterback. You know, on Sunday, I saw Kyla Murray went in doubt, chuck it down the left sidelines, and D-Hop made plays left and right. Same thing yeah. could be said for Mike Williams. He did that in Clemson. He did that with Phillip Rivers. That is what this man does, and he had a big game as well. That's a nice little safety valve for the kid. Yeah, 100%. But when he continued to allow him to push down the field, like Herbert wasn't scared of those throws. Like When you yeah. have a guy like Mike Williams, who is a very cliche player almost, right, to go up and get it, wide receiver, yeah. but – that's what he is. And guess what? Absolutely. That's what Herbert let him do to give them a chance to win this game on a Mike Bagley field goal. And that should have continually been a part of the play because when it was, it was successful. And they just took it out once they got up in front. And that's unacceptable. And I'll just tell you this on the whole Jackson Kelly thing Jackson yeah. went over his yards prop in one run on a 36 yard scoot. But outside of that, neither back. Very effective on the ground. Josh Kelly in the props market next week might be a great buy low opportunity. They're on a buy, actually. So two. They're on a buy. They were supposed to play Jets. The Jets were moving around with Miami. It's a mess. We'll talk about it more when we come back. We're off and rolling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, Dane and Kevin. And, you know, it's interesting. We've talked about, remember on yesterday's show where we were like, we don't expect this, but we have to now trust that, yeah, Russell Wilson does this, right? And I thought the same thing when you mentioned um, 
Mike Williams and like the 50-50 balls. It's not 50-50 when it's Mike Williams. You know what I mean? In the same way that it's it's not 50-50 if it's Mike Evans, let's say. You know what I mean? And 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 so it's actually a decent play to chuck it up to those guys. I do think it's interesting. And now, you know, I know you're doing in-game live, Kev, but on the telecast, mm. they had an incredible stat. Last year, the Chargers lost nine one-score games. This year, the Chargers, yeah. all four losses, one-score games. You know what I mean? So they are very, very close. And you need to remember that down the season, right, when the Chargers could be 2-7, and seven, but live dogs no matter who they're playing because of this kind of tight one-score game. Um, it was very interesting because the kid gets out early, but you kind of had that feeling, especially in the third quarter, that the Saints were mm. going to make a game of this. This had a real interesting arc as the game went along, right, Kev? Yeah, no, it really did. You know, that, that's a great way to put it. Like, even, you know, being able to follow this game on in-game live, at one point, the Saints were getting seven and a half, albeit not for very long. And then eventually, they, they fully bought in on the Saints. The Chargers get their touchdown to go up 27-20. And, you know, I would say the Saints had a considerable amount of time left, over three minutes. And the book was like, I don't know. Plus 320 on the Saints is what was out there. And they ended up, you know, tying that game up. And obviously, that's going to shift the line drastically what one of the things that stood out to me about this game just because you know as i always say when you make bets it's really important or at least for me to kind of recap them because if you win that's great but it's important to understand how things develop right and i had bet the over in this football game and at the end of the first quarter i was Mm -hmm. like all right nine points doing all right then all of a sudden you know the chargers had 20 with 30 total points like this looks great we only need a little bit more from the chargers i think the saints can do their part and the third quarter was nothing was going on and i started lining things up right and saying to myself all Mm -hmm. right i'm gonna need overtime here is that possible right now ultimately it hit in regulation but I kind of saw like the these things were going to have to level out, if you will, and they and ultimately, you know, they did. But it was pretty interesting because this year there's a lot of conversation around overs right. and how they're all yeah. hitting and they're all hitting. You know, I bought this total at the bottom of forty nine, and it continually moved down. You and I had talked about it in the morning. I think at fifty and a half. It just kept going down and down and down. And I think there is something to be said about even if there is a ton of money coming in on the under that's clearly moving the number. I think especially in 2020, there is still value in trying to buy the bottom of that number over. Because we all know in the NFL there are Mm -hmm. key numbers, even in totals, even if we're less familiar with them, right? But there are key numbers in totals, and numbers are valuable. So if you're sharp betters, if you will, are hitting these numbers, right, at certain points and dropping them, well, eventually there is a buyback point. And at the end of the day, Dane, I think you're just better off sitting with overs in your pocket than unders (laughs) still five weeks into the year. Yeah, and you know what? I'll even take it a step further. We don't have the stats here. This is something I would love us to look up and try to find. I know we have so much of the data here at SportsGrid, and it's something that Gabe said yesterday on Game Time Decisions. I know you were a guest on it. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe one of his plays was he teased the Chargers and the over. 
right? Mm. And so I wonder, I truly wonder, of the unders that have hit so far this season, right, and it's only like 35 40%, how many of them hit by more than six and a half points? You know what I mean? Like, if you do yeah. that, and regardless of what you do on the side, okay, if, you, if we assume that in this tease you got the side part right, I wonder mm-hmm. if you just tease the total down six, six and a half points and go over it, how many times does that happen in 2020, right? Because even in games that go under, we're seeing, you know, whatever it is, we're still seeing 2017, we're still seeing games that are in the low 40s or something like that. So I wonder, you know, if you take that extra step, right? How many times does it go under even that? I would think mm-hmm. it is very, very low. How many times will Drew Brees throw a pass over 10 yards <laughs> is my real question. Because, and listen, this is the narrative out there. We know he's aging quarterback. There is no Devry Henderson from years past. There is no Ted Ginn Jr. of years past, right? And I got to tell you something, Kev. The one pick that Drew Brees threw was like the one time he was trying to ball, throw a ball like 15 yards downfield, and it was ugly. That was on Drew. That was a bad throw. We get a lot of dump downs to Alvin Kamara. We get a lot of Manny Sanders, whose route running is impeccable, whose chemistry is clearly growing with Drew Brees. But, and, you know, Brees finishes with 325, right? It's there, but... Do you buy into this kind of buzz and narrative that Drew Brees is not performing well, that this offense can't threaten as much as usual? Or is it like, yeah, we'll see when Michael Thomas gets back? Or, yeah, but he's still putting up 325 and 30 points. Mm -hmm. Like, which way do you feel on that kind of debate? It's very interesting because I think a lot of quarterbacks usually give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, right, if their top wideout is missing. But, uh, as some Saints players made note of, Slant Boy, apparently, what they, unless I, I kind of, maybe I got duped on that, but I think they called him Slant Boy, and that's why he punched a teammate, and that's why he missed this game. <laughs> maybe I got duped, but I, I think that was a real thing. Nevertheless, right, Michael Thomas, it's not like they're missing their deep threat, they're missing another right. underneath guy. But at the end of the day, like, for anybody that's ever played Madden, you know what's really annoying? When someone just keeps running crossers, ins, outs, yeah. it's really hard to stop. And, like, if I pick up 10 yards a clip in the passing game, exactly, it's a fresh set of downs. So Darn right. I'm not going to sell the boat on an offense that, by the way, is still scoring points. Like, this yeah. is their third straight game, fourth uh, out of five times they've scored over 30 as a team. This season, it is, and I feel like I'm on an island screaming to myself, their defense is the problem right now. That's the issue. They are bleeding points. They gave up 29 to the Lions, 27 here to the Chargers, right? They gave up 37 at home to Green Bay. The Raiders hung 34, 34 points on them. Their run defense is still good. But the end result, not to me, good enough on the defensive side of the ball 
for the Saints to hit the level that they want to, which is Super Bowl champ. The Super Bowl. That's, that's, that's all Drew Brees is still around for, right? Yep. To win a Super Bowl. And I hear you. They did get Lattimore back yesterday. They did get Davenport, the pass rusher, back for his first mm. work of the year. Maybe that helps it along over time. Um, Slant Boy, though, you know, at one point in the game, Drew Brees was something like a 55% completion percentage. And that was alarming to me because with yeah. Michael Thomas, slant boy, right, it still gives you a fresh set of downs because they're completing passes <clears throat> to Michael Thomas at like an 85% clip, right? So that's a big part of it. But I do think it's interesting. What I want to see moving forward is if defensive coordinators challenge Drew Brees to beat them yeah. over the top. Right? It's a dangerous because game, if though. This is, you're right. It's a dangerous game if Drew Brees still can. And if he still mm -hmm. can, you will get burned. Absolutely. Yeah. But if that is in question, right, then, then there's a way to shut the Saints down. Right? And if I'm yeah. the D.C. against them... I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm telling the man with more passing yards and more passing touchdowns than anyone in NFL history, I'm saying, go ahead, beat me over the top consistently. And that's yeah. how I want you to beat me because I'm not letting, I'm, I'm watching Alvin Kamara out the backfield. I'm jumping mm -hmm. the Mike Thomas slant. So beat me with a slant and go, go ahead. That's the way I would try to beat the Saints. We'll talk about this. And by the way, week five is not over. We will hmm. talk about what's on the horizon. We think, although that may change in the next hour to hear all about it. Let's go back to the Sports Grid News Update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to the radio affiliates as well around the country. I know in SoCal you were probably up watching that Monday night football game. So thanks for now waking up early with us. But, Kev, it's so weird, right? Because even in my, like, fantasy football kind of way, it's like, all right, Monday night football is over. Right? But I got to look at waivers and stuff like that. I got to close the book on this week and look to the next week. But there's still opportunity this week, as we have the very rare Tuesday night football game, which will happen at 7 o'clock Eastern time, CBS has the telecast as of now, because I do want to put that in, because during our show the last few days is when these uh, COVID test results have come out. And if there's a positive with Tennessee, like there has been for, you know, 10 of the last 12 days, then this game is on ice. So we'll say as of now, but when this game does go off, we hope this evening the Tennessee Titans will be home dogs. They're getting three and a half points against the Buffalo Bills. And let's remember, this is a big AFC matchup, okay? And I don't know what to make of this, Kev. I'm going to be honest. You were asking me for my take, and here's why. The Bills are banged up. People aren't talking about this. Tredavious White banged up. Zach Moss still banged up. They are coming into Tennessee with some injuries. And then we have no idea what to make hmm. of the Tennessee Titans, right? This is a team that hasn't practiced in two weeks. This is a team that is severely compromised by COVID, I, you know, 
no less than like seven or eight starters, defensive linemen, cornerbacks, wide receivers, you know. I don't know how compromised the Titans will be, both physically or from a strategy standpoint because of what they're dealing with. I don't know what the Bills are dealing with injury-wise and also straight up, Kev, mindset-wise. If I'm a Buffalo Bills offensive lineman, I don't know how I feel about lining up against these Titans with three, you know, six inches away with them screaming and breathing at me for three hours. I, it might be in my mind. So I have no idea. What to think about this one, except I need Derrick Henry to get less than 27 fantasy points. Uh, uh, maybe. Derrick Henry, you never know. <laughs> Let's start here, okay? So the Steelers this week beat the Eagles, covered the number, albeit a front-door cover in a game that they actually were very close to be trailing in late into the fourth quarter. Had Jake Elliott made a 57-yarder that yours truly absolutely had fan-tinted uh, glasses on because I thought it went <clears> in. And did not go in. But they did get the job done off of a bye, right? That was Mm -hmm. our first example of the year of a team off a bye. Albeit very wonky and unscheduled by a bye nonetheless. Do you, I don't want to say care, do you factor in that this is a Titans team that is off of a bye week entering this game? So it's just so unique because the benefit I usually generally put stock in that idea of after the buy, right? We know about Andy Reid after the buy. We know about self-scouting. Yes. Okay. Uh, a lot of times the buys happen later in the season where a team gets to, you know, rest up, heal some injuries. None of that was the case in this situation, though. Right. Mm -hmm. This buy created more injuries for this team. Right. Like, you know, this buy gave them less opportunity to work out the kinks of what they're you know, what's been uh, anything they need to work on. So I, I, I don't know. To be quite honest, looking at this game right now, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I thought Buffalo would win this game anyway. Right. That's the way I would play this game if it happened like, you know, last week or when it was supposed to be scheduled. I like Buffalo. I really like what they are doing. Okay. Because of all this, the place I'm on on this game is the total. I know you just said how overs are going crazy. I just said we could tease it and then go over it. I've got a feeling that 52 and a half is a little too high in this one. Buffalo's a good defense. Tennessee's a business-like punch-him-in-the-mouth kind of team. Think about Tennessee on Monday Night Football earlier in the season. They play games in the teens a lot, unless it's like the damn AFC South random game. This might be a game, because of the context, because of the injuries on both sides, because of the just odd nature of it. I think this may be a game where my play, I can't believe I'm saying this, is under out of everything in this game. Now, the under 52 and a half. Yeah. I hear you. The under 52 and a half is of minus 120 number. So mm. it's moving That's in the way that I might direction. Go. So maybe the way we had just talked about Saints Chargers, though, for anybody that wants yeah. to play an over, maybe you That's can wait fear. here a little bit by the bottom of the number. But I would not play this game under. The Bills, four yeah. games this year, 3-0-1, depending when you got it, maybe 4-0 to the over. Titans week one, sloppy Monday night game against Denver. That game sells under, albeit a game they left 
a universe of points on that field. I remember. Well, Scott's got over better. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next two games, they've gotten into the 60s both times. Now, I understand, okay? Teams aren't going to go perfect to the over. Dallas Cowboys might. Eh, Maybe not now. (laughs) But you get my point, right? Like, these are two teams right now. This is where it's tough. But the Bills' aura around them is defense, smash mouth, Grind. Yeah. And that's yeah. everything Tennessee is. Except that's not yes. how they've been this, to this point in the year. Now, the the tough thing to kind of negotiate, though, is it's not like I'm saying, oh, see, everybody thinks that we're beating them on an over 47 and a half. No, the book is adjusting for who these teams have been up to the point in the year. So maybe you can now catch one, right? And I would advise, and I'll see if you agree here, if you play this game under, right, make sure you are thinking about the next game for both of these teams and if you will be willing to do so again. Because I think what you're trying to do is catch the first under for these two football teams, right? Right. And exactly, the regression to where if you miss this week, but you watch it and you go, it was there. It was a little bit fluky. You got to be willing to come back to it then. Yeah, I know. Listen, I'm with you. And the stuff you say is correct about Tennessee going to the, the 60s in a lot of games. The Bills going over as well. I, For me, the context of this game, the craziness of this situation is what I am going to put more weight in than kind of the last month and the trends of the overs. I just think this is such a unique situation. And on its face, Kev, you're right. It's been happening at a crazy clip. Overs, overs, overs. But by definition, for the game to go over, a lot of things have to go right. You got to get in the end zone a lot, right? And Hmm. I just don't know. I think this could just be one of those real, let's just get this one over with and not get diseased and keep it moving kind of thing. I think this one could look very basic, could look like week one of the preseason. The other thing I want to ask you about, when we're with the Saints, I just said if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd get up on the line and I'd challenge Drew Brees. We talk about this as it relates to the Tennessee Titans a lot, right? With Derrick Henry as one hand and Ryan Tannehill with the other hand, right? The play action going over the top. We talk about this a lot, whether both of them can go over their number. It's something that you and I have kept our eye on as it relates to the Tennessee Titans. Kev, though, I'm going to tell you, today, if I'm the Bills... I'm putting 53 men in the box to stop Derrick Henry, not only because I need him to score less than 27 fantasy points, but because, let's remember this, A.J. Brown, I think doubtful for this game, Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis were put on the COVID list. The top three wide receivers for the Tennessee Titans may be unavailable. If that is the case... I'm going to force Ryan Tannehill to beat me over the top with, you know, bench wide receivers and John U. Smith. If I am the Bills defense, I will be damned if I let Derrick Henry be the thing that gets the game to the over and gets me my first loss of the season. I'm going to force Tannehill to beat me with wide receivers that we don't know just yet. 
This is just going to be something that you and I will fundamentally disagree on probably okay. all year long. And that's, and that's what it is. Now, the point of the lack of receiving talent that might be available for this team is impossible to ignore. But then you know what can really make it easier on them? Favorable matchups, eight in the box, one-on-one coverage, biting mm-hmm. way too hard on play action. Here's the thing about the Titans. Yeah. They don't need to establish the run. People talk about stats. They already have. They don't need to do The that. man walks yeah. onto the field, the run is established. <laughs> yeah, it's been established. So this is a game where, and, and like, you know, we have plenty of time here. Like, we, we can talk side, but I'll tell you this right now. Ryan Townhill over one and a half touchdown passes is listed at a minus 120 number. They have given up two touchdown passes in three of their four games, with the one exception being the New York Jets. Ryan Tannehill's been getting over this number as Derrick Henry was struggling to find the end zone, it felt like, in every single game. So I think that's a pretty decent price on Ryan Tannehill to go over one and a half touchdown passes. Yeah, listen, I I think as we continue to talk about it, right, we see this game playing out differently, right? And, And like you said, that's fine. And the one and a half touchdown passes... Yeah, fundamentally, and I've said this, if a team's going to key in on Henry, then it's tying Tannehill over the top. You're right, biting too hard on play action, right? That's why we see Baltimore Ravens running free all the time, right? They're biting on the play action. I'm with you. I, however, I'm personally, I'm seeing like this sloppy 17-13 game as very feasible, and Ryan Tannehill getting one touchdown to John U. Smith and one Derrick Henry rushing touchdown. I also see as very live, live enough for me to not bet that one. I'm a little bit on the sloppy underside. You're like, hey, it's 2020. Offenses can't be stopped. Every game is in the 60s. I understand. I think I'm patting the flag. Not this one for me. We'll talk about it more when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back here, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. Dane and Kevin, you know, and that's why this side is so hard for me, Kev. Uh... You know, the Tennessee Titans are, like, undefeated. They're a home dog yeah. in a primetime spot. But they're ravaged by this disease, Kev. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who yeah. knows? But it isn't a unique spot if you want to take a home team getting points, right? So that's the thing for me. We're getting, and this is, we're getting an unbeaten home yeah. team off yeah. a bye getting three yeah. and a hook. Won't see yeah. it happen all year long. Of course, I am leaving out many important pieces of information on the other side. <laughs> right. The Bills are unbeaten. They've looked excellent. The Titans' buy is unconventional. They're without a myriad of players. I, though, am also someone that buys the Bills more, or excuse me, buys the Titans more than most, and maybe is selling a little bit of Buffalo relatively to others. This is a game where if you say to me, I'm not playing it, I think you're a wise person. Because we just don't know a lot. But I also think taking three and a hook 
with the Titans is a nice spot. Last thing I'll say is they are unbeaten, haven't covered a number. How about we lose a game, <clears throat> but we cover a number? I like Tennessee. <laughs> I like that. They may lose, get the get the one in their record in the loss column and their rear record, but get a one in the win column in their ATS yeah. record, which is all we care about here on the grid after all. You know what? Uh, we also care about fantasy sports and fantasy managers are going to have to deal with some injuries that took place in week five. And let's put it up now. You know, we talked a ton uh, about the Dak Prescott injury, right? And deservedly so with all of the ripple effects there. The way it went down, the emotion of it all, his former head coach there, the contract situation, which is something we could talk about for a while. And I do want to ask you, though, Kev, because, you know, Stephen Jones came out on a radio station yesterday and was like, nah, Dak is our heartbeat. He's the leader of this team. And, you know, part of me is like, okay, well, he's still in their long term plans. The other part of me is like. Of course, that's what you say at this point. We'll see what you say in March. You know, so we'll figure that one out. But that's obviously the headline. But listen, Dalvin Cook with a groin injury. And people are a little bit worried about that one because he had an injury on that side years ago. Um, We got Baker Mayfield. I think this one is very interesting, Kev. You know, his ribs, they say the x-rays are negative. Baker came out yesterday and said, you know, mama didn't raise no wuss. But, uh... Kev, you know me, and you know the way I'm going to frame that game because they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in that front seven and that pass rush in a big AFC North matchup uh, on Sunday. So, you know, Baker, go with God, my friend. Deontay Johnson had a back injury, part of what enabled Chase Claypool to absolutely pop off. Then we heard, uh, you know, kind of underreported. We just heard yesterday, Sammy Watkins has a hammy. He's going to miss time. That's interesting and kind of, you know, came out of nowhere a little bit. But so Watkins has a hammy. And then, you know, we saw last night also Keenan Allen goes down with the back. Talk to me about anyone specifically here or like kind of the deeper impacts. What are you looking to? Obviously, the DAC is important. But Dalvin Baker, the the, the elite herd in Kansas City. What uh, What's your biggest takeaway here? Yeah, let's talk Baker because we we spoke a lot about Dak yesterday, and yeah. you know that's also going to be a Monday night game, so we're going to have a plenty of time to sure. really expand on that situation. Two things here with Baker: one, you did it with my quarterback. <laughs> okay, no, we can't do this because it makes me uncomfortable. And injuries happen. This I have Baker up. on a I lot of teams. I get he is it. my QB2 on a lot Steelers of teams. Trust me. I want the man to be healthy. I get it. You think the Steelers are ruthless. But here's what I really want to talk about. Because unfortunately, yes, it's the nature of our football Fridays and our recap Mondays. We yeah. don't get to expand on certain things. Your ruthless Steelers defense got ripped to shed shreds. By Travis Fulham, right? Oh, no one can run the ball on him as Miles Sanders hip hops to 74 yards on a draw play. On a draw. Catch you later and has a monster day on the ground. The Steelers defense that I have been questioning on this show since Danny Dimes moved the football against them and yep, had two won. passing touchdowns against them. I don't think he's got two in the next three or four games combined. Until he saw the Cowboys' defense, but that's besides the play. <laughs> he actually, he actually like, didn't throw a touchdown in that game, which is bananas. They scored 34 points. He threw Fair. zero touchdowns. <laughs> this Steelers' defense, right, 
is it as good as everyone says? Because the results right now are not showing that. Um, fair. Okay. I have a retort. You're going to dismiss it, <laughs> but I have a retort. Um, when in pitchers in major league baseball, when they're up six, nothing, they throw the fastball. I don't want to walk someone, let them hit it. Right. The, the Steelers are up in a lot of these games. Okay. They're up. They were up against Philly. They were up in the third quarter. I think part of this is you play to the scoreboard. Okay. Um, you play differently with a lead. Then you do like there's a reason the idea of like garbage time production. Now, they have not been up huge like that. Right. But I think part of it is you play differently um, with the lead. They had a big lead against Denver and then they, you know, go into bend, not break kind of mode. I think I think that is part of it. You're right. They've been giving up points. I just think a part of it is in game. You play to the scoreboard a little bit. I know you're not going to accept that one, but that would be my rationale. My thing is, no, look, I'll I'll, I'll accept it, but only against Denver, because that was the only game they had a lead in. They did knock out a quarterback. Jeff Driscoll comes in. Okay, you might fall. They were up against Philly. They were up against Philly. They were by seven. They were, I mean, they, they were, they were, and that's when Miles Sanders ripped off the touch. I mean, they were there with them the whole time. Like, that was not a game that was in doubt at all, right? And, like, there's also an issue, though, if you get up by a little bit and then just fall asleep and then can't. I'm not turn saying it back fall up. asleep. But I'm not no, saying because, fall but asleep. But it has to be one of those two things because Philly had a chance with Jake Elliott from 57 yards to take the lead deep into that game. They were down 14-3 to the Texans. I, like, th- this is the reality with this team right now. The okay. real to me... So let's counter- apply it to the game against Cleveland, though. So what but does that I, I, mean for is- Sunday in a huge matchup against Cleveland? Well, Cleveland, by the way, right? 30 straight, four straight weeks. Yep, yep, no yep. No Chubb, Baker banged up. Yep. That's why it's already... Brown's now back-to-back weeks. Like, the... Okay, who is everybody on both sides of the field here? Right in the right. in the great game. Here's the thing that that might be true for the Steelers. There's no good defenses in the league. It just isn't real. No, no, seriously. Like, and I like. No, I understand. Like, like, do we have to adjust like, our expectations of defense, like overall, to where me saying, "Listen, teams are moving the ball on them. They're giving up more points." Mm-hmm. Where realistically, they get to the quarterback, they right. make splash plays. And, and that's, that's all you what need. you need to do. Because that, right. to me, then, is the real counter of this team is still the top three defense that they are. You're saying relatively by. speaking, right? In the same way, you know, Kev, I always make this analogy with Major League Baseball totals, right? And all the home runs that have started to happen. And the book mm-hmm. then adjusts normal totals from like seven and a half to eight and a half, right? So if we are seeing a new version of baseball, then you got to adjust. So what you're maybe saying is in this new world of football, right? Look at the total maybe of that game. That's all you got to do, right? That's all you got to do to uh, be what is known as a good defense. You're right. When I look at um, this total, 51, yeah, that's the total of this game. And honestly, like, that's a that's an average total these days, yeah. right? Like, that's a total that maybe is respecting two top 10 defenses, right? So that is interesting to me. Talk to me about Sammy Watkins. You mm. know, 
Can they just put in like Aldrich Robinson? Sure, right? Like it'll probably be fine. Do you think any one piece of this herd that's not named Travis Kelsey has a huge impact? Because there's another 4-3 dude. You know, I've been telling you all season, in a lot of the passing game work, we see Darwin Thompson on the field, right? And Darrell Williams. So even if it was CEH, they'd still be able to do what they do, um, maybe with the exception of Kelsey. But how big of an impact does one of the amazing vision of Zoom wideouts have? Like, does that one piece of the herd really make a difference? I think Kelsey. I think Tyreek for sure. Okay. But Watkins can Demarcus Robinson, like forget Michael Hartman, can Demarcus Robinson right, right. Like, pick move up the slack. into that role? Yeah, I think so. Because Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins is very well known in name. This is a top five draft choice, right? When he came out of school, he's been put in a number of, you know, big spots throughout his career in terms of like rosters that he's been on. And yeah. he's on the Rams, right? Like, that's a real thing in my mind. I'm not making it up. Like, mm, that's where he went check. after Buffalo. It's great. Sammy Watkins, then? The fact that you don't remember. Oh, either, Sammy Watkins. Like, no, Sammy yes. Watkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking yeah. about, like, Demarcus Rodgers. No, no, he was on the but Rams, yes. right? That was a thing. I believe so. Like, it's just like, what a weird career he's had. But we're talking about, and this is why the Chiefs are the Chiefs. How often, Dane, and this is just, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, right? How often, when you're putting together... Waiver Wire Wednesdays, Diamonds, yep. Fugazis, does yep. the guy that finishes fourth right now in team targets, like, you must talk about that share that's opening up. Yeah. Right, because as we've talked about, maybe what this is is the most elite fantasy herd of all time. And so it is mm. always important to have a piece of this offense no matter who it is, right? And I think that is the piece. You know, I think that is the piece of it. This is such a high-end offense that you got to do it regardless, right? But you mentioned the Diamonds and Fugazis, so I want to bounce some of them off of you. A lot of them this week, I think, are kind of obvious. The Diamonds, listen, uh, Andy Dalton to me, you need to get him. And in two quarterback leagues, I'm okay with starting him, Kev. This Dallas Cowboys offense is still scoring 32 points a game, right? Like, I'll take a share of that. Alexander Madison as the next man up for Dalvin Cook. This guy may have some standalone value anyway. It looks like Cook will miss at least one week. So if you need it, cool. Chase Claypool with Pittsburgh. He kind of breaked out. And Big Ben talking about trust building with the young kid. I think that is very important. And I also make the point, Kev, that Claypool is already was that big bodied outside the number threat, right? Deontay mm. Johnson, small slot guy, Juju, even a different type of receiver. So that's one thing. And you can respond to that. But I do want to show you the Fugazis. And I want to get your take on two of them. Two wide receivers that I know you like. One mm-hmm. of them is Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is owned in 44% of leagues. Henry Ruggs absolutely popped off yesterday or on Monday, right? But, Kev, and you know this, Derek Carr and the Raiders don't usually go downfield as aggressive. Ruggs has that in his toolkit, of course. But I believe Ruggs is more of a Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller best ball play or a better like decoy for the real team than necessarily fantasy output. And then there's your boy Fulgham on the Eagles, who is absolutely nuts, right? But 
They've got Baltimore next week. And then Jeffrey, Jackson, Rieger, these guys are on the horizon, I do believe. So I want to get your thoughts on if you would go to Ruggs, if you would go to Fulgham, if you think others on the horizon are decent options. We'll do that when we come back. I want to get your thoughts as we turn the page. And then we do have to talk a little bit about the head coaching opportunities, vacancies, whatever you want to call it, in the NFL. Which job do you think is better, Kev? Texans or Falcons? We'll talk about it when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back right here on to the early line. Dane and Kev. And Kev, I wanted to get your thoughts on two of my Fugazis because I know they're players that you kind of have a soft spot for. You know, and my belief on rugs is that, you know, he's going to have some weeks like that, but I don't know that I can depend on it week by week, almost like in the Deshaun Jackson way. And, you know, they put up 40 against the Chiefs. They were in a shootout. They had to push the ball down the field. So your thoughts on that? And then with Fulgham, like, aren't these Eagles getting healthy eventually? And won't he just go right back down on the depth chart, like even behind Greg Ward? So, so the, the, the Fulgham stuff we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, but what you're saying, it, it, it's relatively obvious. The Ruggs one okay. caught me a bit by surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This He's is only 44% receiver. of leagues. 44% this of leagues a, right now. There's a wide receiver who they made the first wide receiver to come off the board. The 12th overall yes. pick. They clearly like this guy. Derek Carr not wanting to push the ball down the field is probably something that John Gruden didn't love. Probably a good reason why Henry Ruggs came in. You know how Mike Davis right now is three and zero. You know who's also three and zero? Henry Ruggs. And <laughs> as right now, I look at Henry Ruggs and what he's been able to do in a short window. Now you might say, "Look, two for one eighteen and a touchdown on three targets isn't sustainable." Eh, it's kind of what he does. In the first game, yes. he had three for fifty-five and was stopped at the one-yard line from taking that for three for 56 and a touchdown. He only played like a quarter and a half because he got hurt. And then week two against the Saints, it was a lot of pass interference, yardage, and him and Carr misconnected. Now, I'm not telling you that Ruggs is a must-start, but one of the things you and I did see differently about this Raiders team was the Ruggs versus Renfro conversation. Yep, yep, yep. And I don't know where you're still at on that, but to me, I believe that Ruggs is, by season's end, going to lead them in yards, going to lead them in touchdowns. Well, it's tough because he's already missed some time here. But on a per-game basis, because this is who he is. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, he had two catches. Okay, but here's – and you're right. But when he – who he is, right, my fundamental thesis here is – who he is, is of more value to the real Las Vegas Raiders than it is to your fantasy team, right? In the same way that Deshaun Jackson is. He stretches the field, that threat, right? But a lot of that doesn't show up in a fantasy box score. So, I, you know, I'd be a little hit and miss on that. We'll talk about this and a lot more when we come back. Our number two of the early lineup next. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.